the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. All right. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, professor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, we're, we're really excited tonight to bring you part 14 in our series on the doctrine of the Trinity. It's been an amazing ride thus far, and I hope you've tuned in for all of it. Get your pen and paper ready because you're going to need it tonight as we bring you that part 14 of the Doctrine of the Trinity. Now, this essential doctrine of the Christian faith is one of the most controversial teachings in the Bible. The doctrine of the Trinity has been maligned and misunderstood. It's been attacked. It's been denied. And it's been eisegeted throughout history, going all the way back to the Arian heresy under Arius Alexander. Question, why is there so much biblical illiteracy when it comes to this doctrine, particularly in our churches of all places? And what can we do to disciple people in this essential teaching? Well, the the answer to this and, and much, much more, we want you to stay tuned, for we are not pretending we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you doing tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be uplifted and challenged and blessed by the program tonight. We are dedicated and committed to making sure that you know what you believe and know why you believe it. It's important to know these three Ds, doctrine, discernment, and how to defend the Christian faith. Those three Ds, doctrine, discernment, and defense of the Christian faith. How to defend truth in the face of error. Now, this has been, as Brother Gary said, a tremendous series on the doctrine of the Trinity. And, uh, As a means of review, uh, before I get into that review, we want to encourage you uh, to pull up a chair and get your pen and paper and your Bibles and uh, prepare to enter into Bible uh, college and seminary training uh, so we can equip you so you don't get whipped by the enemy. Now, as a means of review, we have said thus far from my book, Uh, on the if proposition supporting the Trinity. Number one, if it can be shown that there is one God, it has been shown from a biblical perspective. Number two, 
If it can be shown that that one God is called Father, it has been shown from a biblical perspective. Number three, if it can be shown that the Son has been called God from a biblical perspective, it has been shown. Uh, now, the big uh, question tonight is, has it been shown that the Holy Spirit is God from a biblical perspective? It has not. So let's get into the Bible to learn about what does the Bible teach about God, the Holy Spirit, or the deity of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of the churches fail to teach uh, people in their churches about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and the deity of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people are ignorant regarding not only the Trinity in terms of the Father, the Son, but the Holy Spirit is hardly ever discussed except in some of the Pentecostal churches. And some of the Pentecostal churches, not all, uh, abuse it when they do teaching on the Holy Spirit. Some of them are sound, but others abuse the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's a crying shame. Now, we're going to get into tonight learning about the deity of the Holy Spirit, that he is indeed called God. And if it can be shown that the Holy Spirit is called God from a biblical perspective, well, we want to see clear scripture that state this clear scripture that state this. I would like for you to turn in your Bibles, everyone that's listening to this program, turn in your Bibles to John 4, John chapter 4 and verse 24. John chapter 4 and verse 24. I want you to notice several things in this rich chapter regarding the Holy Spirit as God, especially this verse 24. Now, the text says here that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I want you to notice several vital points regarding the Holy Spirit as God in this one verse of Scripture. Oh, this is a rich verse of Scripture. Number one, the Holy Spirit is called God. God is spirit. That's what the Apostle John says that Jesus taught the people that God is spirit. And that is a very clear scripture on saying and teaching that Jesus is God. God is spirit. Oh, if you ever never came across a scripture that claims the Holy Spirit is God, that is it right in that verse right there. John 4 and 24. God is spirit. God is a spirit. Now, another important point, number two. John 4 and 24 says, two times to worship the Holy Spirit. Now, this is also teaching that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, have you ever thought about it that way? When it mentions that the Holy Spirit is to be worshipped, it's teaching that the Holy Spirit is God. Why? Why do I say that? Well, let's demonstrate that. When you turn over to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10, Jesus said, in being tested by the devil, Jesus answering said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, 
that thou shalt worship. That's the same Greek word that's found in John 4 and 24. That thou shalt worship. There is the same Greek word, like I said, that is found in John 4 and 24. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him, I want you to notice the word, only shall thou serve. This same thing is mentioned again in Luke 4 and 8. Luke 4 and 8. Now, Jesus says in Matthew 4 and verse 10, we are to worship only. Now, take note of that. He's emphasizing the word only. We are to worship only the Lord thy God. That's what Jesus said in, in, in uh, Matthew 4 and 8, and uh, uh, Matthew 4 and 10, rather, and then in Luke 4 and 8. He says the same thing there. Thou shalt worship only the Lord thy God. So when we put these two together with John 4 and 24, where John says that God is spirit, is a spirit, that they worship him and must worship him in spirit and in truth. That means that the Holy Spirit is also the Lord thy God, as Jesus says in Matthew 4 and verse 10. Let me close with uh, sharing with you a powerful story about a former elder in the Jehovah's Witnesses Kingdom Hall for over 30 years, a leader mentioned uh, in the leadership area of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society of the Jehovah's Witnesses in Brooklyn, New York. His name was Ted Dencher, D-E-N-T-U-R-E. My mentor, the late Dr. Walter Martin, shared with uh, uh, him a scripture from Hebrews 1 and 6. Now, you want to make note of this. Dr. Walter Martin shared with Ted Dencher when he was in the Kingdom Hall. Hebrews 1 and 6. Speaking of Jesus in this context, it says, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten, who is the first begotten? Jesus. Into the world, he says, let all the angels of God, here's the same Greek word, worship him. Dr. Walter Martin compared uh, this scripture uh, with Matthew 4 and 10, where Jesus said to only worship God. And Ted Dencher could not sleep at night. And he went to the elders of the Kingdom Hall in Brooklyn, New York, where their headquarters, seeking answers and got none. And he got convicted by God, the Holy Spirit, and he left the movement and wrote a book 30 years out of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Now that's a miracle. That's the power of God. The lessons that we learn here about Ted Dencher and Walter Martin planting a seed and somebody else watering it and God giving the increase. The lesson to learn is never doubt the power of God, the Holy Spirit, to convict your parents who are not Christian, your children, not Christian, siblings, not Christian, friends, not Christian, neighbors, not Christian, people in false religions that are not Christian, cultists and occultists, and even Satanists. You say Satanists? Yes. Never doubt God, the Holy Spirit, convicting people by his power.
in their lives. Now, I want to close on this scripture because this scripture talks about the Holy Spirit using the word. He, he uses the word, the Holy Spirit does, because he is the one that convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's a surgeon. The Holy Spirit is a surgeon through the word. Hebrews 4 and 12. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick, powerful. There's the word, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Holy Spirit, when he works through the word of God, when you plant it, and as it says in Isaiah 55, he says, as my word goes forth, he'll not return to me void, but prosper wherein I send it. There is power, power in the Holy Spirit, power in the word. And if the Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll see the results of the Holy Spirit being a surgeon with the word of God doing surgery in the lives of people to be delivered from sin. Lord Jesus, right now, touch somebody out there right now that's heard this word, who's doubted the Trinity, doubted the Father being God, the Son being God, the Holy Spirit, doubted the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive them right now as they confess their sins. And even if they've been ignorant of the Holy Spirit, help them to right now confess their sins. Lord, Forgive me for being ignorant of the Holy Spirit's work in my life and his nature, essence, and being. I accept you, Lord, as Savior and Lord of my life, as King, so I can live in your kingdom and do the kingdom work. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches regarding not only the Holy Spirit being called God, but the Holy Spirit is to be worshipped as God too. Brother Gary. Well, all right. It's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. And you know, tonight is a perfect opportunity for you to call in. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. We always say prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. So we want to encourage you tonight. This is a opportunity for you to learn, to grow in wisdom and knowledge when it comes to the Word of God and especially the topic of the Trinity. But it's also an opportunity for you to get your prayers, prayer needs met. We're here to pray with you. And we always like to say thank you to all of you who have been praying for contending for the faith because we've been on the air a long time and there's no way we could have done that without your prayer support. It's so vital. So we thank you so much for those of you who have consistently been in prayer for this ministry, for Dr. Buckner and our team. We thank you so much. And also we want to thank those who have always partnered with us financially, because this is a listener-supported ministry. Uh, Dr. Buckner and I, we don't receive salaries 
Everything that comes in goes straight into airtime, and it costs us 400 a week to remain on the air. Matter of fact, right now, we're behind by $375. So we really need you to step up so that we can retire that debt and, and uh, get ahead of the game. You know, we don't want to just be at, at uh, the level all the time. We'd like to have a little bit of reserve. So we need you to consistently pray for us. And we also need you to partner with us financially. There's two ways that you can donate. The first way is to send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org, that's contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button, and away you go. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. Well, all right, Dr. Buckner, are you ready to uh, talk to some folks? Yes, let's do that, Brother Gary. All right, we got Rick holding on line one. Hello, Brother Rick, how are you doing? I'm fine, good evening. All right, good evening, how are you doing? All right. Appreciate you calling in tonight. What's on your heart? Well, here's a very interesting question. It may relate to, uh, you know, how the Holy Spirit works. I'm, I'm looking at 1 John 5.16, if I may read it to you. Yes, please do. If, if any man we see has, has a, sees his brother sin, and it, and it's not on... Hold on. A sin which is not unto death... He shall ask, and uh, he shall ask, uh, and he shall give him life. And he shall give life. Right. And there is a sin unto death. Sin I unto not death. Say not unto death. pray for it. And so what's your question around that? Okay. And then they mentioned there is a sin unto death. Right. And, and in, this, in, in that... I did not say what we should we should pray for it. Mm-hmm. So, what is the difference between the two? How do we know what what is and what is not unto death? Okay, that's a very we good might question. Have some cases in in scripture where there is a sin unto death, and right. I'd like to have you explain it to me. Okay, well, that's a very good question, uh, brother. I appreciate your question. Um, there are different uh, theologians that interpret this differently uh, than what I do, and some of them interpret it the same way as I do. Uh, But I believe the context explains what, uh, you know, John is talking about, because this seems to be sometimes a very controversial scripture in the mind of churches and uh, theologians. Uh, What does the text say when it, what does it mean when it says there is a sin unto death? Uh, I believe when you look at the context, it says, if any man see his brother, now uh, sin. So in the context, it's talking about a believer that's a brother. You know, the Bible uses the term brother for uh, sisters in the Lord and brothers in the Lord. That's the way they use the word and brethren. Uh, this in the context is not talking about suicide. Uh, it's not talking about 
an unbeliever because it says brethren or brother. So what we got to do is look at it in the context of what the sin unto death is and also in saying that uh, they should not pray for the individual who commits this sin. Well, what is going on here? What is going on is pre-med- somebody who's committing in the church premeditated, willful, rebellious, unconfessed sin. Uh, that causes the Lord to determine uh, the end of that person's life. And the failure to repent uh, and forsake sin uh, may lead to uh, physical death. Now, we're not talking about spiritual death. Uh, apparently, uh, there are some examples of this uh, sin to death that I believe that's in the Bible. Let me give us about three major examples. The first one of a believer, uh, believers falling dead, uh, was in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, when you're talking about Ananias and Sapphira. They were believers in the church, but they were uh, controlled by money rather than uh, they were letting the money control them and they were being corrupted by it. This is the first time that the early church uh, allowed corruption to come within the structure of the church, and God didn't take that lightly. So what happened here is that uh, God, because they didn't forsake the sin, and it was willful rebellion, uh, and they were unconfessed sins, that God dropped Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, both dead. It's the first uh, real instance of being slain in the spirit. There's no such thing as people being slain in the spirit and falling backwards and barking like a bunch of wild dogs. That is not what the Bible teaches. But here is a real case of two believers being slain by the Holy Spirit, and they fell over dead. It's a warning to the churches today that hypocrisy can make you fall over dead if you don't repent of that sin in your life. Uh, Now, uh, so, uh, and the whole church was shook up by this, and thank God for his grace today, because the favor of God is uh, deeply upon us, And but the Bible does say, if we continue to sin, may grace abound. Grace can run out, and then it's replaced with judgment. Now, the second instance of a sin unto death is 1 Corinthians 5 and 5. You remember the young man uh, involved with uh, his father's wife. Apparently, he got remarried, and probably the mother died, and uh, the man, his father, got married probably to a younger woman and went on a trip, and then the young man decided to fornicate with her, uh, and they were just outspoken and public about it in the church, and some believers wrote to the Apostle Paul and told him about this, and him being an apostle, he simply wrote back and said, to to deliver such a one over, you know, deliver such a one over to Satan for the destruction. Notice what he says, for the destruction, 1 Corinthians 5 and then 5 and on, for the destruction of his body, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. 
So what you're getting there is Paul uh, as an apostle uh, bringing judgment upon this young man, uh, and he would have died if he hadn't later on in later on in the other uh, Corinthians re- repented of the sin. He finally repented and he was restored. Now the last instance of a sin unto death is First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse thirty. Uh, at the communion table, they were getting drunk as a skunk, and they were um, abusing the Lord's table. And uh, the Apostle Paul said, some of them have got sick. And then this is the sin to death, that some of them has fallen asleep. Uh, it's a real wake-up call here. And even in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, judge yourself lest you be judged. We should judge ourselves quickly before the Lord judges us, because it's better for you to judge yourself of the sin in your life, whether it is whatever it is, hate, violence, uh, immoral sins, addiction, you know, judge yourself, gossip, judge yourself, lest you be judged. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Because if you don't judge yourself, God will judge you. And it could be a sin unto death. And then the last thing I'm going to say is that he simply says in the context, don't even pray for him. No intercession prayer will be effective for those who uh, continue to practice sin. It's a waste of time to pray for him. All you can do is pray that uh, you, 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 people have prayed for them but they continue to do it. So the Apostle John is simply saying, don't waste your time on them anymore because they are doing it in a premeditated, willful, rebellious way. It's kind of like uh, uh, the, the Pharisees sinning against the uh, Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, things you say against the Son of Man, you'll be forgiven. But against the Holy Spirit, there's no forgiveness. So you know, it gets to a point where, you know, with these certain believers that were practicing this sin, John says, don't even waste your time praying for them. Just pray that the judgment seat come upon them. And sometime, uh, God, what God will do is terminate the body so he can reserve the soul. That's pretty deep right there, what I just said. He will terminate the body so he can save the soul. And that's what he was going to do with all of these cases here. All right, hopefully that helps out, Brother Rick, and gives you some more insight. Amen. I mean, I I take it also that God says, at this point, I have no more use for you. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's it's just, it gets to a point where he just simply says, you know, you're just a waste of time on the universe, so just let me take you out. You're not going to do what I tell you to do? Then, okay, it's time for me to take you out. All right. Amen. Do you have uh, any quick prayer requests that we can pray for you before we uh, go to the commercial? I pray, pray, pray for my health right now, especially the weakness in my limbs and uh, my body right now. Pray for strength. Mm. Okay, let's pray. Else, I'd like to be able to get my strength back. So, Lord, we just thank you for Brother Rick. We pray, Lord God, for his health. 
We know the challenges that he has. You know the challenges uh, that face him every day, Lord God. And we pray that, number one, you strengthen his legs, strengthen his body, strengthen his health, Lord God. And Lord, number two, we pray that you would give him joy, give him peace, and give him um, a, a good attitude and a, and a joyful spirit, Lord God, that, to continue to, to strive and to continue to go forward and continue to do everything you've called him to do, Lord God. And we just thank you for Brother Rick. We pray that you continue to bless him, bless his mother as well, keep her in good health, and we pray for her salvation as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we've got thank about three much. minutes, I think. Do we want to try to squeeze in Sophia? Before uh, let's, uh, let's deal with her question, then we'll get to uh, answering that. All right. Sophia, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, I'll, get, I'll be really fast. If we were squeezing me in, I'll be really, really fast. So this is my question, too. I was reading Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation. Now, I think they're talking about Antichrist. But my question is, and so it says, you know, you have to flee. And some, if you're in your field, you better, you know, hustle. Don't even go get your coat, et cetera. So are we going to be here? In other words, I thought believers will be brought up wherever, to heaven or wherever, will we be fleeing for our lives when the tribulation comes? This makes it sound like it's going to come and we're going to have to hightail it for safety. Well, that's a very good question and a good observation. So uh, what we'll do is when we come back from the commercial break, what I'll do is get into that uh, question and try to answer it the best I can and give you some insight and uh, some knowledge from the Word of God on it. That's a good question you have. All right, well, let's get ready to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults. Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, I'm Gary Bell. And once again, when we talk about prayer, this is a prayer-driven ministry. And we believe the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And we know your prayers have touched the, the heart of God because we're still here. We're still on the air doing what God has called us to do. And so we thank you for your prayers. And we also thank you for your financial support because this is a, a listener-supported ministry. Without your support financially, we couldn't stay on the air. It cost us 400 a week to remain on the air. And right now we're behind by $375. We need to get that uh, sorted out, cleared out. And we want to get into the black and stay out of the red. So we need your help. Now's the time if you've been blessed by contending for the faith, if you've been listening for many years and you've never donated. Well, now's the time. Step up to the plate. It is a home run <clears throat> so that we can continue to do the work that God has called us to do. There are two ways that you can donate. One, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, <clears throat> Almost gave you my zip code. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button. And it's that simple. You'll be a blessing 
for time and eternity. All right, let's get back to uh, Sophia's question regarding the tribulation. All righty. Uh, Sophia, you there? Yes, I am. All righty. Uh, we're going to get to your question. And um, one of the things that uh, is important to understand <clears throat> uh, when you're dealing with a tribulation period, uh-huh. it's important to understand these three positions. And one is the uh, pre-tribulation position. That's the position that uh, some believe that the church will be gone before the tribulation period. Uh-huh. Uh, now, that position, uh, the pre-tribulation position, uh, didn't start until the 1800s under John Nelson Darby. And uh, it was a movement under John Nelson Darby, and then the Plymouth Brethren took picked it up, and then the dispensationalist movement. Uh-huh. So that's a Johnny-come-lately position. So uh-huh. all one has to do is study history, and they'll find that, uh, a young girl, so-called, uh, you know, his, uh, had a esoteric uh, revelation, and she simply said that that uh, Jesus said the church will be gone before the tribulation period, and uh, and then John Nelson Darby jumped on the bandwagon, and then the dispensationalist position, uh, or the Plymouth Brethren, then the dispensational position started uh, holding to those positions, but that position is not what the church held for uh, during the time of Jesus. It came into existence around 1844, something like that. Uh And then there's the mid-tribulation position that the church will be gone in the middle of the tribulation. And uh, that position, uh, I don't see it being strong in the word of God as well. And then the post-tribulation position is what I hold, that the church will go through the tribulation period and, uh, you know, and Jesus will come after the tribulation period. And, and I believe that that's uh, consistent with Scripture. So when you look at uh, uh, Matthew 24 and verse 15, it says, And when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever mm-hmm. read it, let him understand. Uh, and then, let them which is be in Judea flee into the mountains. So you have a, uh, when you look at um, Matthew 24, you have to look at it from the perspective of a local prophecy and universal. What do I mean by local? What I mean by local is that some of it was fulfilled in 70 AD when Titus came in and he literally uh, destroyed the temple in 70 AD and uh, Jesus had told the people, many of them, to flee to the mountains and because it's going to be such a bad period of time that you need to flee. But also, Matthew 24 is talking about a local prophecy as well. When it talks about the abomination desolation, it's referring to the post-tribulation position when the Antichrist will come and literally sit in the temple and blaspheme God and everything else. How do I know that? Well, I, I, I when you when you kind of look at uh, Matthew twenty four, and you kind of look at uh, verse twenty nine, it tells you immediately after the after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light, 
and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the power of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heaven. So what uh, John uh, Matthew does here is chronologically places the second coming of Christ after the tribulation period, not before, Mm -hmm. because that's what it clearly says in verse 29. But you also have to, and let me kind of just give you these scriptures quickly. Uh, If you go to Revelation chapter uh, 13, Revelation chapter 13, and you look at verse 7, and, uh, and it says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given to him over the kindreds and tongues and nations. So this is consistent with the post-tribulation position that they're going to make war against the saints. These saints are, are global. It's not just the Jewish saints. The, the, post, the pre-tribulationists try to say that these are Jewish saints, Mm-hmm. But, you know, the saints are God's saints, <clears throat> and that means, uh, like Paul says, in the Jew, Greek, bond, or free, we're all one. So mm-hmm. God is not going to leave, as the pre-tribulationists teach, a bunch of Jews here, Jewish saints, to be butchered by the Antichrist and have the Gentiles taken up into heaven. That would make God a racist God. Now, one more thing that I want to say as well, if you go to, in your Bible, to Second uh, Thessalonians, if you go to Second Thessalonians chapter two, uh, it's in the context of the second coming of Christ, and in the context of this, in Second Thessalonians chapter two, it says in verse uh, one, it says, "Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." So this is in the context of the second coming. And it says in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come. Now, this is several things that will happen before. The day is the second coming of Christ. Every time you use the word day, you're talking about the second coming. That day shall not come, except there come. Now, notice the two things that must happen before Jesus comes back. Uh A falling away first. That's the apostasy. People falling away from the churches, not having a heart after God. We see that happening today. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. And what will he do? Look at verse 4. Whosoever opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So that's the abomination desolation, is that he sits, oh. he sits in the temple like Antiochus Epiphanes did in the, back during the inner New Testament period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the 400-year, the 500-year, 400-year period, where he blasphemed the temple, Antiochus Epiphanes, and he uh, de- you know, destroyed the temple and literally killed a pig and slaughtered the pig and poured the blood of a pig over the altar rather than the lamb's blood. And then he offered the blood sacrifice to Zeus. So that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with all of this. You have to kind of like put it together. But I think it's very clear in the scriptures that Christ will not come back until after the tribulation period. 
and that, and that's consistent with all of the scriptures that I've given you. Wow. I want to just say quickly, I don't understand, Dr. Gork, it must be your genius and your anointing. You're the only one I can think of who could do six months of Bible study in one answer. It is so phenomenal what you just explained to me. I can't stand it. It's so fabulous. So God bless you and Gary. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate those encouraging words. We try to yeah. people know what they believe and know why. And mm-hmm. uh, those encouraging words. And Dr. Buckner, you want to uh, let the audience know that the, the post-tribulation doesn't teach that the church will undergo God's wrath. Absolutely. That, yeah, it, that, that's a good point, that it will not go undergo God's wrath. It will go uh, undergo the wrath of the Antichrist, but not the wrath of God. And So all those curses and all those things that come upon those folks that receive the mark, all of that stuff will not happen to the church. That's very well, Brother true. Gary, you read my mind. All I can say is, phew! <laughs> I, I want to put that out there because... Thank you. Get, anyway, get God bless you there. both so much. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it's... God, uh, always remember that <clears throat> in the Word of God, mm-hmm. this is just uh, biblical to know that in the Word of God, no matter what God's children go through, like mm-hmm. you go back to Daniel thrown in the lion's den mm-hmm. and uh, the three Hebrew boys and Joseph, they went through tremendous tribulation and wrath of the enemy, but God was always by their, their side. So if you have mm-hmm. a consistent understanding of what God has always done, he he will do be consistent with that in the New Testament as well. So just always remember, God is consistent to be with his children no matter what they go through, because Jesus said, I'll be with you even until the end of time. Well, thank you so much. This is why I wait all week. This is the high point of my week, this Saturday night, and it never lets me down. Thank you both. Thank you. You're welcome as well. All right. Uh, All right. Let's, let's, we have a, I think it's a new caller, Tom. Oh, we lost Tom. So we need to go. uh, Let's go to Cece then. Oh, we lost Tom? Yep. Okay. I was hoping to get to him. Yep. He dropped off, but Cece's there. Okay. Cece's here. Okay. How are you doing, Cece? Um, How are you doing? Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you as well. Uh, and, and what's on your heart? I want to ask you about the Maccabean revolt. Um, I know, I know, there's not really a lot of time where you can really break it down. But you can just give me some, some, a little bit, some, some I can um, hold up, hold me off to next week. Okay, yeah, <clears throat> that's a good question. I think people need to get into the Maccabean uh, uh, study of the inner New Testament period. And uh, so, let me just kind of give you a Reader's Digest condensation of uh, that. The Maccabean Revolt was a Jewish rebellion lasting, uh, I would say, from 167 to 160 uh, B.C., led by the Maccabeans against the uh, Seleucian uh, Empire and the Hellenistic influence of the Jewish life. The revolt was uh, launched by the priests Matthias, that was the father of the uh, Maccabeans, and uh, later led by the third son, Judah. 
uh, uh, Maccabean, Judas, because they said Judah, but uh, Maccabean. Matthias was held in uh, high esteem by the villagers. They ordered him to begin the sacrifice offering to the, uh, you know, pagan idols, promising that in return, he and his sons would be admitted to the circle of king's friends. Matthias uh, refused the outright. He refused out, outright to do that. Uh, he was killed, uh, a Jew who obeyed the command, and then one of the king's men, uh, and so, uh, so one of the king's men, uh, his fight, uh, to flight to the mountains, because they were trying to uh, do everything they could to kill that man, uh, but he, he took a flight to the mountains together with his sons and his friends. And uh, they, you know, so I think it's important for us to understand that. Uh, uh, so this is kind of like an interesting uh, study uh, looking at the life of this. So Matthias refused outright. Uh, and uh, let me just correct one thing I said. Matthias refused outright. He killed a Jew who obeyed the command. That's what I'm gonna say. He killed a Jew who obeyed the command, and then one of his king's men, uh, his uh, flight to the mountains together with his sons and his friends, this marked the beginning of the uprising and the revolt. So it appears the revolt was uh, directed, first of all, against those Jews who were uh, willing to submit to the Greek customs. Then it was directed against the Syrian rulers uh, and so forth. So, uh, and uh, we see Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a um, a person who was the type of Antichrist during that period, who literally, as I was sharing with Sophia, who literally went into the temple and blasphemed it, and that was an abomination, and he literally killed the pig and literally poured the blood of the pig over the altar. And uh, so, uh, and, uh, but these Maccabean uh, father and the Maccabean uh, sons refused to do that. And uh, they are held to high esteem uh, because of that. So hopefully uh, this is what I tried to give you as best in a nutshell and bringing back my memory to all of this stuff too. Uh, and so hopefully that helped to give you some insight. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you're drinking from a fire hose tonight, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, 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 we need to continue next time where we have more time to kind of to, to, to dribble it out a little better. So yeah. It's not so much. <laughs> it's a lot to consume, but at least you're able to grab a little bit here and there. Yeah. And talk a little bit more about it next time as well. But just remember that the Maccabean, the, in a nutshell, the Maccabean family and uh, Matthias, the father, they refused to give in to the idolatry and paganism of the day. And uh, because they wanted them to worship the pagans and they refused to do it. And that's <clears throat> revolt. And well, it looks like we're just about out of time. Yes. So <clears throat> So uh, maybe get back with us next week on that same question, CC. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast, and we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you 
Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note. Let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week. And when we once again give you the opportunity to dialogue and uh, make comments with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to exhort and equip and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.